welcome one and all boys and girls everyone in between and dogs no other okay. animals though no other animals if you are a different Only animal listening to this podcast i uh bad news get the fuck out the police are coming after you my name is zach joining me as always is mike mike egan how are you doing today that's my me i'm i'm good i uh i had a long work day but i'm good had a had a nice big uh rice and veggie and tofu bowl for dinner a little avocado in there it was beautiful that sounds really nice. good is that did you make that nice. yourself we did yes yeah yeah we got we got a whole mess of rice in the fridge white and brown ah we did brown last night we did white uh this night are you in kind of the situation i find myself in where occasionally just based on your your meal consumption you just end up with so much leftover rice like just towers of leftover rice in your fridge um no because we we don't tend to make make it in great quantities really we kind of we're we make what we know we'll eat i think we're pretty good at that at this point well okay <laughs> so i i guess you know if you're a complete dingus you might make too much rice but i suppose so it just, you're in it a civilized just, world yeah it just feels like you can always find something to use for it if it's not fried rice or like just oh, yeah. heating it up for like a stir fry or something like that there's always you know uh truly is the uh the filler portion there's of no ends yeah to the to the possibilities of rice yeah uh what veggies do you typically use in in something like that is there a particular like flavor style that you're going for when you make one of those um not not really i i i leave the um the flavor profiles of all of our meals to lauren because she's the one who's any good at that i'm more of a uh chopper myself and uh <laughs> i'm the one who makes the rice i i, I know the the ratios and the chemistry of how to make rice good she doesn't trust herself to make rice. A, a very important uh utilities to the the cooking process the chopping yes. and the, the rice creation we uh we only just started making these though um so i i didn't have any 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 flavor in mind because i don't know i leave that to her and i don't think about it and she's like yeah i got it just you go over there and you chop these vegetables for me <laughs> Um, we do a little, we do a little cuke, we do a little carrot, we do some bell pep, some red bell pep, um, got avocado, a little green onion on top as well, a little sesame seeds. It's a good time. This all sounds great. And are those all raw as well? Yes. Yeah. So we leave those raw. This is the thing we're doing for summer. Cause like we don't want to put the oven on. We don't want to have a bunch of burners going. We want to get yeah. it too hot in here. So a nice, a nice raw veggie, uh, rice bowl. Absolutely. I always have problem with those summer meals because uh, like you're saying, you, know, you want to keep it, the, the dish itself relatively cool, but also just not use too much heat itself to make yeah. your stuff. So again, your apartment doesn't uh, heat up a bunch, but like, I don't, I just made like a Japanese curry like 20 minutes yeah. ago. And that was, I mean, it, it was, it was like instant stuff, but like the good instant stuff. We, we okay. recently found out that there's a good, um, like Korean grocery store near us, Korean and like Pan Asian, oh, I guess. Okay. But, um, mostly Korean uh and it's fantastic it's it's that good feeling of walking into a place and going I know I love the cuisine roughly of this country and I know none of the products I'm seeing on the shelves it's it's such yeah. an exciting moment because you can really just go wild and experiment and just find whole different flavors and ways of uh simple cooking that's yeah just great that's cool that's good stuff we haven't like branched out 
as much in our like uh, uh, nightly meals, but I could I could see us doing that for sure. Uh, Lauren's more adventurous when it comes to food than I am. If I were, it, were I alone, I'd probably just be making the same like box of frozen pierogies every night. I would be that sad bachelor man. I like to think I'd cook a little bit. I make a mean fried rice. You know what? I can I can do that on my own. I'm not completely helpless. I can put flavors together. But um, yeah, no, she's the one who's like, I saw this recipe and I think we should make this. And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. She's the 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 recipe and flavor czar, it seems. So you're just along for the ride. You you don't really have too much of a choice. No, which is fine uh, because everything she makes is great. She's the dinner brains. I'm the dinner brawn. Beautiful. And together you uh, combine into the Voltron of a meal. Yeah. a A chef, perhaps. You're not the meal, you're the chef. No, we're the meal. <laughs> <laughs> All in one, baby. If you do it right. What do we got today, Zach? Uh, we got a lot of stuff. We have a, a lot's a lot. going on. Yeah, so I would actually like to start with um, the thing that was taking up a lot of my last week without even kind of realizing it. A lot of going outside of my home and seeing my friends and doing things. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. Here it comes. I went to a baseball game, a birthday hey. party. Hey. I saw uh, Jacques Tatis's Playtime. I don't know what that is. It is a film. It is a okay. absurdist <laughs> French film, but I saw it in a theater. Love it. Excellent. Um, Did you go to the music box? I did go to the music box. Uh, I don't think they're at full capacity yet, but they are, uh, they're kicking. Okay. Good to um, hear. I didn't go there enough when I lived in Chicago. I feel even living here. I feel like I still don't go there enough, yeah. <laughs> uh, but all kinds of stuff like that. And the thing that I think throughout the entire process that has been the most remarkable is it has felt pretty normal. Um, yeah. which I, I didn't expect. I think a lot of, I think this is even something that you and I have talked about is that we were worried as I'm sure many other people were too, that there would be this adjustment period. You know, we've, we've been so isolated that maybe there's going to be some kind of social ramping up that you would have to do similar to, uh, I don't know if you haven't been very active in a while and you want to start running again, you need to do your baby steps. But honestly, it's felt kind of like getting back on on a bike for me. Uh, it's, it's been really normal to see all these people again, catch up and see how they're doing, care about them, just interact with everybody. It's been pretty good. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I've, uh, I've also gotten out a couple of times in the past uh, since we recorded last. And, um, I, I, I don't have the, um, the, the piece of interacting with, people that I haven't seen in a long time. Cause it's only been with, um, I just went out with, um, Lauren and, uh, uh Mary, my sister. Um, so th- these are people that like, we were all in the bubble together, but, um, we, we did get out to, um, it was two weeks ago. We got out to the Brooklyn Botanic garden. It was very nice. We got on the subway for the first time in over a year. Um, and then this past week we went to, um, this, uh, 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 food hall and like um sort of like it's like a mall but it's it's all like vertical and like 
one of the, each of the floors is one thing. Like one floor is a target and another floor is a movie theater. I got you. Um, in, in, uh, in downtown Brooklyn, that was our day. Um, it was going to be super hot here. So we wanted an inside thing. Um, and yeah, like I, for the most part, just, just felt very normal. Like wearing masks on the subway, wearing masks inside, um, all the stores all the time. But, um, it, it kind of just felt like, yeah, going out, doing a thing, looking around a target. Like it was a little overwhelming. It was like hard to focus on each other at times because your eyes are just like darting around to all of the consumerism that is on all of the shelves. But, um, trying to look yeah. for both threats and deals. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mostly deals, minorly threats. Are deals and threats the same thing? This is worth discussing. <laughs> and I'm glad that you brought it up because that's what we're going to spend the next hour talking about. Actually, <laughs> Yes. Um, I have a question. When you were yeah. riding the subway akin to maybe an out of season F1 driver, did the velocity of the tube just make your neck completely <laughs> just yeah, out yeah. of whack? Yeah. And that's why I am joining you in this brace. Um, I'm, I'm thank you for not bringing it up, but, uh, and, and the, the listeners at home of course aren't, aren't privy to this, but, uh, my my neck is suspended in a, a large uh, erector set esque uh, brace, and you know I gotta say, uh, and this is not what I was expecting. Looks pretty good on you. I would I would consider keeping Thank it after so after you've healed up. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. No. The neon I think is really what what brings it home. It's a little hard to sleep, but you know trade offs. This is fashion. what we, this is what we do for fashion, Mike. Exactly. <laughs> um. The baseball game in particular was just a sight, like being around that many people. And so Sox Park isn't at full capacity yet. I think they are at 60. So, you know, there was there's a little bit of room to stretch out, you know. Uh, Yeah, that's definitely because of COVID. Listen, people like their baseball here. (laughs) Yeah. There are no other relevant sports going on in this city except that, for baseball yeah, that's, at the that's moment. Um, maybe, maybe MLS, but I uh, mm. do not keep up with that. But it was a good time. I went with Becca and our buddy Bryce, who's like the biggest sports head I know. Like the sort of person you could just ask random things about how certain things work in yeah. sports both like business wise and like on field and they're very knowledgeable about it and we sat near a very nice couple who had like a seven-year-old kid who was watching the game um, oh yeah by the end of the night becca was talking with them about anime just the, the kind of thing you do where okay. you ask kids questions and they just start going uh yeah yeah becca loves kids it was very very cute there was also a man who was just very vocal about the entire arc of the game, not the entire arc of the game, but certain points he was really giving it to the Sox. At one point we, uh, the Sox had blown like a eight to two lead and it was tied and he could not stop booing. He booed so much <laughs> that it was. So usually when you do a boo vocally, it's, you know, it's one big like boo, like that's your yeah, typical thing. Yeah. He was so overcome with emotion that he was doing the like boo, 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 like, like multiple oh. boos in the same. He was really feeling it. Um, so oh, that's beautiful. So it was hilarious to sit by this very nice family and also within like 20 feet of us see this absolute jamoke just really. Yeah. 
giving it to the team. Um, so you really got the full live sports experience. Oh, yes. And then I got the experience of riding the subway back with a packed car of Sox fans Excellent. after a victory against the Detroit Tigers. And oh, hey. there was some chance of uh, Detroit sucks. Sure. That was a pretty common one, which is funny because they almost won. So it's a little <laughs> bit weird if you think about it. But they didn't. So they therefore. Didn't. <laughs> uh, there was also a cub suck, which is just a usual one. It's okay, a funny thing, yeah. too. Like, there, like there's this, you know, this crosstown rivalry. But Bryce was telling me, it's like, you know, the, the cubs don't care. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> like, the cubs could give a shit. And it's, yeah. not like, it's not like a David and Goliath thing necessarily. It's just like, no. yeah, the Cubs just got better things to worry about. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Also, at one point, the train broke out into uh, Amy Winehouse's rehab for like just 20 seconds. So okay. I ha- hadn't heard that one in a while. Um, anyways, that overall very good experience. Had some good ballpark food, had some, had some elote and a footlong hot dog and a beer that was too sweet. And um, it was like this, like Goose Island, like summer shandy thing. And like usually there's like the, with a shandy, you're doing a lemonade beer sort of thing. So it's usually very refreshing. This okay. was just like candy beer. It was gnarly. Yeah. Um, anyways, so it was it was very fun. It was cool. Uh, I think we'll probably go back to another game or two this year. Because, um, I mean, the Sox are a very fun team. They're 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 hit in in a in a year in which pitchers have such command over the ball where some teams are not able to hit so much therefore you don't get a lot of runs in certain games mm. the Sox are thankfully bucking that trend and hitting quite well so it's i think we saw well, like i think there were like four home runs the night of the game wow. um which was really fun it's just a lot of good yeah. moments in that game it was like eight to eight it was it was fantastic but um but yeah that's cool very, that very sounds good. like the perfect like going back experience yes it, it was a it was a fantastic ballpark experience and i hadn't been to a game in which i had like a good rooting interest in a while since i'd only recently gotten into the socks so it's uh yeah it's cool it's nice to have a new team to care about yeah yeah especially with them currently playing the sport <laughs> with there being nothing else yeah absolutely yeah okay do we want to launch into our uh, game journalism block. Let's launch. Let's do it. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So, um, this past week, not this week, but the week before, I, I don't know what the, when this, by the time this comes out, it's not going to matter. A couple of weeks ago. All right, let's say that as a blanket statement. Um, we got the good news that, um, all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, Waypoint, uh, which I've talked about before. They're my go-to uh, games site for a while now. Um, kind of out of nowhere said, hey, we have a subscription service now. And it's the way in which this came about is a long story. And the road that they've been on is such a long story. But um, I'll give the context around it um, as... Uh, Waypoint is part of Vice. They were known as Vice Games for a while. Um, they've been known as Vice Games on and off. They uh, were were folded into the Vice had this one Vice 
uh, uh, quote unquote initiative where everybody got folded in and they got rid of their names. The, the greater vice averse, if you will. Uh, yes. Yeah. Inspired by Disney Marvel, of course. Um, no, but so they lost their branding and like everybody kind of lost their identity. And that was sort of a, it was a dark time. Um, but then the company changed and they are now known as Waypoint again and like have slowly been clawing back different pieces of their identity. And the one thing that they have wanted to do for the longest time and that everyone reading them and listening to their podcasts has wanted them to do for the longest time, which is start a subscription service so that fans can directly give them money so that they can do the things that they want and they don't have to be steered by ad revenue and by following virality and clicks and, and what the executives want. This is, I mean, this is a model that they wouldn't have pioneered. It's done elsewhere. Giant bomb famously, you know, is, uh, is a subscription model. Um, but so finally they announced we were able to make this thing happen. Um, it was the, the top of a new podcast and they were like, it, it was very much the vibe of like, listen, don't worry about it. Just follow me through this hole and we'll get there together. Um, very much like ramshackle bunker. Like we're, we're, I'm still like, they're still putting up posters as you come in like, Oh, Hey, welcome to our new place. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, uh, the, the story is like, so m we used to, we used to read this guy, Aaron Gordon. Uh, he put out a newsletter. He covered the, uh, subway here in New York city, uh, the MTA, um, he had this newsletter called signal problems. It was great. He uh, he used to write for Jalopnik, which was the um, part, of, part of the Gawker family. Um, and then he does this newsletter. He then got picked up by Motherboard uh, to write uh, about a lot of things, but largely to write about the USPS as that whole thing was happening over the last year. And during the course of this, they decide, you know, what would be cool is if we put out a zine about the USPS and got a whole bunch of cool like artists and writers together and you can uh, subscribe, throw in a couple bucks and we will physically mail you this zine. Um, and that was cool. Uh, I, I threw in for that. There, there was cool art and shit. But so apparently that is what like stuck the foot in the door for, uh, I don't remember if it was um, Emmanuel Myberg or, or somebody over there advice who like bridges the gap between motherboard and waypoint because th they're connected in some ways with their reporting. Um, he goes to the waypoint crew and says, so I figured out how to flip this switch. Here's the switch. I'm going to walk away and not say anything. And then they set this up and kind of flip the switch themselves. And, you know, we're, given a goal of like, hey, this would be a cool number to hit uh, of or like a critical mass of people where the execs would sit up and take notice and turn their heads and say, oh, well, why don't you do this? Very much a it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, and long story short, they hit that number within the first week. Uh, it was their goal for the end of the year or next year. And they hit it within the first week and right away they have like started streaming again. They've opened up new podcast, uh, potential. They have a, a subscriber podcast feed. All of these like old waypoint things are roaring back to life. And, 
I'm, I'm very, very happy about it. So that's so interesting. So it's, it's gotta be some mechanism that's already built into vices infrastructure then, or is this, our, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't see, think so. That's the thing that I'm fucking wondering the most is like, yeah. is there some portion of vice at large of vice itself where you can open that back door or like just carve out your own customized piece of this thing. And then mm-hmm. I get, like you said, flip the switch and open it to subscribers or not, or is it some other service? Like, like if you, if you, do they have waypoint plus like open, like like available currently? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so then when have you contributed money to it? Do you know what it looks like to submit like a subscription? Yes. to it? Is it and, and I know what it, I, I know what it used to look like too. It, it is now. I think I signed up day one as soon as I heard it on the podcast, and it was not through them. It was some like very long URL uh, through a service called Memberful. So it was through a third party thing. I think uh, if I I think it's Waypoint Plus dot com. If I go there now, I'm on Vice. If I click join, okay. If I click join, it still boots me out to Memberful. Got it. So it's likely then Vice has just got some license with that third party service to yeah. uh, to facilitate that stuff. Okay, that's really yeah. interesting because I don't know of any other instances where because it's common where the publication will be like, "Hey, subscribe to us, please." You can still read all of our stuff, but subscribe to us, or you get like X number of articles free to read per month. Right? Yeah, that's how like yeah. Slate works, I think. And sure. Maybe yeah. the Atlantic. Maybe I'm conflating those. Anyways, yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah, but I haven't heard of it being done quite in this way, where they're still attached to the big media conglomerate. Right. But they have this other funneling option that's very interesting to me yeah yeah and and done in such a sideways way where like motherboard had to figure this out and like maybe it 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 made sense to open this avenue for that like offering a physical thing that you would mail to people and then just like once they had that and knew that that was a thing they could do and like it was you know integrated with the company in some way it was like well, you could just do this. So like mm-hmm. maybe it maybe it's like a, a more um, inside, you know, p- part of vice thing that they build at one point. But for now, yeah, this seems to work. So it sounds like uh, it sounds like this has helped them tremendously over there. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, they've already started doing a ton more things and like reaching out to people and planning, oh, we're going to do this a bunch of different podcasts, streaming shows, and yeah, just everything they have wanted to do is is opening up. Immediately after we, was it last week or the week before that we talked about how gaming journalism, there's just been a dearth of the kinds of things that we used to like and follow. I think that was episode four. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, here's that arc resolving. Yeah, no shit. Okay, and let me just jump into the next thing, too. Um, Here we go. Actually, yeah, two two uh, quick things, both related. So in episode four, we did talk about how um, Vinny Caravella, Alex Navarro, and Brad Shoemaker all left Giant Bomb simultaneously, and that was a right. big blow to that side because they had been around for so long. Well, but sure as shit, turns out they 
launched their own Patreon and company called Nextlander, where, I mean, more or less, they're going to be creating cool, fun stuff around covering games. You're going to be getting streams. You're going to be getting little shows, maybe skits. They're still figuring it out. Um, and th- I listened to their first podcast that they put out. Um, th- firstly, they, they've already passed 10,000 patrons um, very, yeah, very quickly, which at a uh, $5 minimum joint fee, you would understand that that's pretty solid to start big, yeah you know obviously they're they're getting a a pretty big fan base over there from from giant bomb right uh and in listening to their first podcast episode you know they don't get into any kind of mud flinging necessarily i I wouldn't benefit them it wouldn't be very professional i would only stir the shit um but the way that they talked about it is they started Nextlander specifically because as you know, over at giant bomb, that thing has slowly grown over time and been bought by different companies. And when you have to start answering to um, executive heads and start talking about your growth rates in, you know, a way that a, a big company heads want to, it starts to, you know, we've seen this. It starts to dilute the content. It starts to, um, I would imagine, make content producers much more stressed and much more unsure about what they're making. Yeah. So, basically, they said, hey, there's a very big margin difference between how much money these execs want to make and how much money we need to survive and we would like to do this in a sustainable way (laughs) that just helps us live you know make make our living off of this um so yeah you know power to them obviously um i don't think there would be any reason to throw shade on a small cluster of guys who are very knowledgeable and want to just make something like recapture that scrappiness they right. had back when giant yeah. bomb was still a very early thing yeah um i think that's admirable i think that's a solid goal to have as a as a an artist absolutely right um and so the announcement of this kind of dovetailed a little bit with a, another announcement from giant bomb that it it's harder for me to elaborate on but it and it doesn't sound as like momentous maybe as you know starting a new company or whatever but over there they had announced that the funding that they're getting from their current company whose name i can't remember red venture might be the name of it that's right yeah yeah uh they are able to now pitch and create these shows with other people outside of the immediate giant bomb like core group. So they've already got a show planned with Dan Riker later on. They essentially Uh want to do weirder coverage and stranger episodic stuff, Uh, which to me, the way that you can translate that is okay. They're going to rely on um, like contractors, but Mm -hmm. And that's right. that's not incorrect, but the way that I see it is that they're now able to, if they can work something out with people, accept pitches from a lot of different personalities not immediately involved in that job. Or folks who have left right. 
that uh, that sphere as well. Uh, yeah. The the way that they described it is kind of akin to like a WWE where you have this rotating cast of you know characters that you can form shows around. Yeah. Uh, and have these different arcs with and stuff like that. So yeah. um, sounds like all of the uh, all of the games media folks that we kind of care about now are uh, starting to do some exciting stuff again. And it's funny that it comes kind of on the uh, right as whatever form E3 takes is, right. is yeah. so close to us. I actually think that if I if I heard this correctly, I think Next Lander is going to be like pairing up with the waypoint crew to do one of those like e3 talk over sort of things oh yeah uh, i think i think future i think they've already done i don't remember who it was they talked with it might have been um vinnie i think austin and rob from waypoint um teamed up with vinnie at next lander to talk over um there was a what is it there was a warhammer uh, a warhammer 40k video game event where they announced 500 different video games and they talked okay. over that together sure so yeah yeah there will yeah. be uh there will be crossover seems like everyone's thriving fingers crossed for everyone it it's an exciting time i know yeah and, and it'll be interesting to and we won't never necessarily be able to know this not being in the sphere and in the know but it i i hadn't heard that about um that kind of pitch model that that giant bomb was moving to so it'll be interesting to see like if that is sustainable for all of the contributors i'm curious about what that looks like for them because as i like navigate a freelance world myself and like having been on on patreon you do a lot of math about what it would take to survive and taxes and healthcare are big and fucking annoying. And those aren't taken care of when you are freelance or just a contractor. So I'm, yeah, I'm curious about, about that piece. And that is like to, to contrast with the move that waypoint made deciding to all stay part of vice. Like they, kind of set it up in that in that same way with like uh we've all kind of done that before and we don't want to do that again and like we have to think about our lives and patrick has a family and children that he has to support so like it is easier for us in a lot of ways to stay a part of vice and i know those are these are these are different business situations you know with waypoint being a an integrated part of vice, which is itself a big media company that owns brands. Um, and they started that way as opposed to giant bomb, you know, being bought and sold between different sort of private equity, uh, uh, contenders. Um, that's, that, that, that's very different. Um, so it sounds like they didn't go that route because they didn't want to jump through all those hoops. So I'm curious about how this shakes out for, um, for the people contributing to giant bomb, like hopefully, you know, they have enough leeway to be, to have that like hugely recurring, uh, uh, cast of characters like you talked about and come back all the time. And like that can be somewhat stable income. And like, 
hopefully like I, I thinking about Patreon, I can't imagine the critical mass that Nextlander would need to accrue to be financially sustainable for three people. Exactly. Three people who have families of their own as well. Right. Well, exactly. Vinny does. I don't think Alex and Brad necessarily have kids, but they probably, I would but imagine still. they would probably still want that in their lifetimes or at least have right. want the option to. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, I, I, I've thought a lot over the past year of like confronting the numbers that I previously thought it would take to like live entirely off my Patreon and realizing sort of what the actual number might look like and coming to grips with that's never going to happen. <laughs> I am not, I'm not uh, famous enough or well-known enough for that amount of people to ever contribute money to me. This is going to have to be like a, a side thing for the rest of my life. Absolutely. And in this day and age, you either have to get remarkably lucky or grind it out for years to like, right. You know, hit the point of even starting to remotely get a chunk of your main finances from an online source. Right. Right. So not not to compare myself to industry titans who have been doing this for over a decade. Uh, sure. And and who's to say that Nextlander is their only, um, you know, cash source as well? I know Brad's got right. another got a, a tech podcast actually with Will Smith. Um, oh right okay yeah so that, that's yeah. another potential stream so and and even still you know uh i agree with you though it's it's got to be a good chunk of change for them to keep it afloat but again they they just started so yeah it's it's a it's a right. nice sign to see that they're at least uh again hitting the the five digits of of patrons yeah um, right right it's hopeful and and also another the thing that I was kind of no, did I have a thought about this? I feel like the comparing like the waypoint giant bomb thing is like tricky and interesting because mm -hmm. with waypoint, I could see how much difficult, more difficult it would be to want to abandon that as the creators of it, especially when you've put so much work into spinning that up, you don't want to start yeah. that again. And like, sure yeah. you do get a certain amount of clout jumping from one thing to the next, but you're also going to lose some folks. And yeah. again, you have to start reestablishing a brand again as an individual. And yeah, you're losing a lot of perks of being a part of that bigger company. Yeah. Uh, right. The other, the other thing regarding giant bomb as well, insofar as um, whether or not content creators can, you know, rely on that as a, as a form of income. I mean, probably not. I, I would say it's like, it's, like a freelance contract, like any other thing would be is what I would, what I would categorize it as. Yeah. However, another benefit of this though, is that even this isn't exclusive to people who have previously been in like the giant bomb sphere as well. Giant bomb can also lend its huge, like online presence to highlighting other, you know, smaller content creators right. or folks just doing, stranger stuff uh and kind of lend their audience to that person so i right maybe and maybe there's hopefully a little bit more of a tale of sustainability that where you get a small chunk like you know five percent of people who who watch that thing then go and contribute money to whatever that smaller artist is doing 
Yeah. And and it sounds like that is their purpose in putting this together and showcasing, you know, different voices and, and helping people find that like niche they didn't know existed and go off and like follow this person down their rabbit hole. So and also contract work can be fine. Like I don't know what it looks like at that level, what the numbers are, obviously. So that, you know, that can be sustaining for a while. And some people are fine with and prefer, you know, swinging from from vine to vine in the freelance world. Um, I do know a handful of people who, well, I, I knew folks who were doing that. I feel like everyone has like settled down and gotten their full-time jobs. Um, yeah. Bryce does still do like contract and, and freelance work. Uh, cause they are a machine who yeah. loves to work. It is, uh, it is such a grind. Do you want to take a break? Um, I could pop the AC on for a little while. Okay, we will be right back. And we're back. Hello. Hello, Mike. Oh, Ooh. oh. I could, you, I could did hardly. You hold, did you hold your breath for that whole time while we were on break? Yeah, it's just a little a little thing I like to do. I'm training myself for uh, in case I ever get pushed in a pool. Well, hey, Godspeed. Thank you. Um, I watched something that I think might be intrigue you uh, i'm, oh, I'm yeah? sure i'm sure you've seen this already have you watched the sonic movie of course i've seen the sonic movie so becca and i decided to watch it the other night and uh i gotta say it, it's fine <laughs> it I, I think it's yeah. it's it's mostly a kind of crappy movie but it is also <laughs> like not made for me there's some fun bits though jim carrey surprisingly uh, like i know everyone was like oh jim carrey actually does a really good job in it he he had a lot of fun with this he he did a pretty oh, yeah, good job very clearly yeah 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 that was great yeah um, um did you like the first time or the second time that sonic flossed more um probably probably the second time okay because the first time it was it was probably like oh okay we got to do this but then the second time it was you know, I was probably just so high on on the energy of uh, Sonic being real and existing in our human world that, you know, seeing him do anything is exciting. The slow-mo sequences were very cool. I'll, I'll give them yeah. that. It, it, was, it was a fun way to communicate that and the, the bits that they do when uh, when he's going fast is pretty good. Yeah, I, I went into it expecting to like it fine, like deep down think that it was a bad movie um but just you know like it because sonic is in it um but you know, it it's you know it is what it is and it does what it's doing well enough the parts i liked the least were um the parts with uh what is the man what is the man's name the man who's in it i don't know he's he's just a cop he's the cop i man. don't like him yeah uh, like outside of being a cop i i i don't like that actor very much i'm just he's just not for me um, but everything else, the product placement was also very heavy handed in it. <laughs> it was that, that I liked, um, because it was to a degree that was hilarious to me. Oh, like you, you thought so that they, was okay. Okay. You thought they went so far as to, uh, as to being funny. I don't think that's what they were doing on no. purpose. I think they were just doing it. Um, but that's, that's the height that it reached for me. And so, yeah, I think that it is pretty good for a video game movie which makes it fine to crappy if you compare it to like all other like regular film yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like um, i uh 
you you go into that kind of movie, or at least I did, expecting to be expecting to walk out like your expectations are on the floor. You're like, I'm going to walk out of here being like, uh, OK, well, well, I guess I've seen it at least. But I walked out of there being like, yeah, all right. OK, right. And see, that's that's the problem where I think that I think this ambulance is going to ruin this vocal recording. And that's OK. Emergency services have to go sometimes. This is the price I must pay of ventilating my room. Um, I think that what had happened, unfortunately, is that our expectations had a bit of a hump because everyone was like, oh, I saw it and it wasn't that bad. It was actually a little bit oh, good. Okay. So it like it overcorrected for us where we were both like, yeah, okay, let's watch the Sonic movie. Let's let's see what this is yeah. all about. And it was it was all right. Yeah. Um, the little the little nods and uh, homages to like things in the game was really cool. Like that opening sequence in which uh, he's running around in like the the green hill zone like his home seeing like all that, that was very yeah. cool um uh spoilers for the sonic movie i suppose tails does show <laughs> yeah. up at the end in the post credit sequence and that's just they're setting their, themselves up for a good sequel thing there which could be interesting yeah that could be interesting yeah um yeah if they could just get that cop out of there that'd be pretty nice but you yeah, know they're gonna they're gonna bring him back like they gotta now yeah. james um, marsden that's his name yeah Sure. I don't like you, James Marsden. I'm starting to beef right here right now. Okay. I'm sure you're a fine person. I got that's, nothing against you personally. That's one less listener. <laughs> We're going to see the, the metrics <laughs> tick down. <laughs> Reason for leaving. I am James Marsden. <laughs> um, really, I'm just jealous. I wish that I could have been the one to, to, to buddy cop Sonic across America. Of course you do. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. That's all you have to say. It's fine. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot you can say about the the way that the art in that movie evolved, let's say. Um, oh, right. I think what they landed on, I think the CG looked very good to yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see Tails because um, they, they both look very cute from what you see in that movie. I agree, and I wonder... I wonder if they'll kind of focus more on the dynamic between them than like Sonic and some human counterpart, which is, it's, it's, a, li- so. it's a little weird. Like they did a good enough job in it, I yeah. think, but like it's, yeah, having your anthropomorphic animal CG thing in the real world is, it, in some portions, it's going to be a tinge strange. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get right. Oh yeah. You're never going to get it a hundred percent there because it's not, it isn't there. It's fake. It's a hard thing to... Wait, Sonic, Sonic's fake? Uh, no, no, um, no, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, uh, he's right here with me. Hey, Sonic, say hi. I did like when he got his shoes in the movie. Yeah. And also that they chose, (laughs) uh, to not show Sonic feet. Yes, thank you, thank you, whoever made that decision for, for cutting, leaving the, the Sonic feet shots on the cutting room floor. You, there was a conversation between the execs and the entire art team. It was like, should we show his feet like kind of fucked up? It's like, no, 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 thanks. We should, we should not actually. Oh, are you are you sure, guys? Why are you, why is such a strong reaction? I don't understand. Just trust us on this one. Uh, do you want to circle back and uh, talk about No Man's Sky? I could talk about No Man's Sky a little bit. Um, yeah, it's it's been a fair bit since I since I completed it, I mentioned uh, a pot or two ago that I was going through their expedition, which is uh, a new game mode that they added. 
since I talked about that, No Man's Sky has had another update. Oh yeah, they uh, right. It was a uh, was it a graphical update? It was both both graphical and otherwise. <laughs> you can like they they added the ability to um, uh, tame um, flying flying creatures. Now you can make flying creatures your pets, which would have been great to have last I talked about this video game because I mentioned a big flying beetle who I wanted to befriend but he would not accept my food and flew away. And now I know that that was a technical impossibility of the game at that time. Which doesn't make me feel any better, but what I'm here to talk about is No Man's Sky Expeditions. <laughs> did, you, did you have something to say on that? You know, it just seems like it's the season of No Man's Sky. Like, it, I it's, mean, it's a lot of updates for a game that size so recently. Zach, it's always the season of No Man's Sky. It's, maybe, uh, it's, maybe I should try that game again. Maybe, I don't know. I no guarantees that it will be the game for you, but it has changed a lot. And I think it it feels much better, um, speaking as someone who who played it at launch. Um Yeah, so so I, I, I mentioned I decided to make a foray into Expeditions, which is a game mode that they added where the reason that I decided to jump into this one, this was their second expedition called Beachhead, I believe, is the big reward at the end was just the Normandy from Mass Effect uh, that you could um, um, bring into your game as a frigate. So it's not a ship that you're able to fly uh, or dock with. It's just there. But it's in there. So it's, it's basically the ship equivalent of a trophy. Um, more or less, you, you can send your frigates out on missions, um, and they'll, they'll like, they, they do their thing and like go around and, and bring resources back. Um, so it's not something you see them do, but you'll see it like warp out and warp back in and that kind of rules. So, um, that's enough. So I, so I go on this expedition and I mentioned last time I wasn't really vibing with it and I found sort of the, the starting up mission and like beginner nature of it a little grating because I've I've done that already like a couple of times I've started this game from the beginning more than once um so going back into it I I didn't play it between then uh and I I forgot about it essentially because I'm, I'm a person with a life I don't live and breathe no man's sky contrary to what my uh every one of my uh, uh, game of the year lists would have you believe. <laughs> um, so I, I remembered it on the final day that you were able to complete this expedition. This was a limited time thing. And I remembered it um, at like 10 PM the night before it was going to shut down. So I remember, Oh shit, I have a lot of this expedition left. I should get in here and see what I can try to crank out. See if I can just get there. Time was of the essence. Time was of the essence. So I log in and it says like 12 hours remaining. So I don't actually have just until like midnight my time. If need be, I have a good chunk of time. Maybe I can, you know, whatever. Um, and so th this is a desperate hour. And so this is the time for getting on the wiki, the Reddit, soaking up any information I can find that will make this go faster. And I quickly find out, hey, if you just want to get the Normandy, 
you don't have to do all of the steps. You can skip to the last one. What? And just get the Normandy. As an exploit or like as a feature? Not as an exploit. I didn't have to do any kind of weird, you know, I didn't have to clip out of bounds in my my starship. I you can just go to the last mission because the okay, so the UI of the expedition is it's sort of like a, a, a flowchart of like here is um I don't remember the verbiage that they use, but here is like the first leg and inside you click on that and inside of that leg there are um five or six individual tasks that you have to complete. So like in the first one, it's like, get to your ship. Okay, now fix your ship. Now leave the planet. And those are all simple enough. And then, you know, it, it gradually ramps up to different, more and more difficult things. Um, and I was stuck on for a while, a thing that is not guaranteed to happen in the game when you're looking for a specific thing. So that was a point of friction for me. Um, but I, I realized I didn't have to do it, and I felt two ways about that, as you might imagine. First of all, relief, of course, because I want the Normandy, and it's the last day to get it, and this means I have a shot at getting it. But second of all, uh, what's the fucking point, then, of that being there? Yeah, it sounds like you were remarkably misled by the UI. <laughs> a bit maybe like maybe it's misleading or it 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 just kind of cheapens the rest of of the expedition because, because it's, then you can just go to the last step and get the thing it's right it's in essence optional why why build it that way right of something that you had said last week as well that was not very fun to do <laughs> right so I don't know, maybe why have that in there at all? This could this could be a shorter experience. Maybe it wouldn't be as satisfying as a shorter experience, but I don't know. Also, the way that you skip past all of these things is like, at the end of each leg, you jump to the next, uh, what's called a rendezvous point. So like, some some other system in the galaxy is the next rendezvous point. And so as you've been completing these tasks, you're gathering up materials and presumably being rewarded with like hyperdrive fuel for uh, your big, you know, your big ship. Um, and then you make, you know, the couple of jumps that are required to get you to the next rendezvous point. If you're not doing that, if you decide or, or realize that this is all None of this needs to be done to just get me to the thing. Uh, you still have to jump to the final rendezvous point, and that is a, a an actual fixed point in space. So it acts as if you've been going on this journey the whole time. And if you haven't been, you just have to make like 37 jumps from the beginning oh. to the end. So what I ended up doing was I made a couple of jumps until I run, ran out of fuel, stopped at wherever I was, um, sold a couple of uh, uh, high-value items that I'd been rewarded in the first two legs, and then did some calculations of, like, here are the resources I need to make hyperdrive fuel, here's how much of it I need for the remaining jumps according to the galaxy map, I'm going to buy exactly all of those that I need, craft all the fuel that I need, 
and then periodically feed it into the engine whenever it runs out and just make those jumps. So I was just sitting on my couch, pressing galaxy map, moving over to the next, uh, uh, the next star system, warp, wait for the warp cutscene to play, do it all again. All the way until the very end of this expedition. The final leg of which is actually kind of cool. Oh no. <laughs> I feel, I, I, I just feel like they could have shortened it up a little bit. If it had been, if it had been three legs and they had cut out all of that random shit that was less likely to happen, like one of the things specifically was you had to find a, a crashed ship via a distress signal. Um, but you have to find like a permutation of a crashed ship is one where the pilot is still there. So like the alien pilot is standing outside their ship saying, Hey, can you help? Uh, and that is less likely to happen than you just finding a crashed ship. And the other thing that I found was, I, I, I can't tell yet if this was a help or a hindrance, but you are, the way I normally play No Man's Sky is single player. Just entirely, not entirely offline, because you can upload like the names of systems you discover, but not, you know, with other people. I don't have any friends that play No Man's Sky. I, I don't play with a group. When you're playing Expedition, um, you are playing with everyone else on mm. in the same. You're, you're sharing space with with all of these other players, and those other players are able to build whatever they like, wherever they like. And so, not only does that mean every time you reach a rendezvous point, there are five hundred thousand different communication nodes saying, hey, here it is, it's over here, it's this way, greetings from Germany, hey, you can do it, and and all, all manner of other random shit, like the fucking squares that show up when whatever application you're using doesn't know how to render emoji, yeah. just those filling the screen, thanks. <laughs> Apart from that, they can also build bases, and so people will get to an objective and be like, I know how to help, I'll build a base right next to this objective, and people can warp to this base, and I'll tell them where it is, and then here's where the objective is. The problem is that doesn't work. Or at least it didn't work for me. So that was a little frustrating. Um, so my, my experience with it is, and I'll, I'll get to what I experienced at the end in a minute, but it's just so weird that like this whole span of, of all of these different legs exists, and so much of it is needlessly frustrating in maybe unintended ways. And, and, you know, understanding, of course, that they just added Expeditions as a new game mode. This isn't their first one, but, but it, it is still fairly new. So maybe they'll figure this out along the way. But if some of that cruft had just been cut out, this could have been a really tight, solid, like, two to three hours, maybe, mm. of gameplay getting you to a really satisfying ending. What did it end up being for you instead, roughly? How long did all of your jumps take? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it honestly didn't take that long. Um, it, it probably did end up being around two to three hours total for me because I skipped all of it once I got to the second leg. Sure. Um, but once I did get to the end, uh, what you find is... So I mentioned that UI before where you open one of the legs and you have all your little tasks. When you open the final leg, you only have one of the tasks... 
uh, uh, available, and the rest are kind of like scrambled and encrypted. Like you can't you can't make out what these characters are, um, and so you actually have to go through them in order. But that turned out to be fine because they weren't you know some of the more random bullshit tasks from earlier in the expedition. It was actually like you could tell this was the part someone spent more time on. Yep. Um, and it, it actually had this like galactic epic feel to it of like even even with all the warps that i had to make it was still it still felt like i'm plotting a course to something here is this you know galactic journey that i'm making um but then you when you do get to the end uh the last thing you do is you land on this planet and um you uh you make it to the final rendezvous point which are these like big weird alien looking structures and you get to the final thing and you scan it with this thing that you had to craft earlier in the there was also a whole thing where I'm, I'm now remembering all this there was a whole thing where and i'm reading through the reddit uh, uh as i go along like you had to find a specific like story thing that only exists inside this expedition and then go back to the space station and craft that. And there were all of these like messages saying, don't use it right away though. Like if you use it here, you'll be fucked and like you'll, you'll soft lock the whole expedition and like, Whoa, for a while I wasn't sure there, there was some really unclear uh, and or lack of signposting for like some, some things that you're supposed to find or craft. And I wasn't sure if it was bugged at one point. But you get past all that, and you you land on this planet. You're standing by this alien structure. You hear a noise. You look to your right, and the Normandy has warped in, and it's just like gliding majestically along the skyline. And at that moment, I was like, "Oh shit! Okay, this was actually really cool." <laughs> and it was like everything just kind of gave way, and uh, so the, the reward ended up being worth it because now I have the Normandy. It's so funny what, and I mean, call it what you will, No Man's Sky, for all intents and purposes, feels like takes the structure of an MMO. I a mean, bit, it's, cer- I it's certainly it's certainly a service game at this point. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, definitely. So maybe it doesn't have like the, the leveling RPG-esque structure of an MMO, but... Yeah. Um, it's, so, uh, it's so interesting to me, the kind of shit that players doing this stuff will put up with just for like the nice payoff at the end i mean again according to you the the payoff seemed pretty pretty neat despite the jumping the lack of communication regarding the ui and the 37 jumps that it took to (laughs) yeah to get to to it i mean it was neat the the final leg was like cool to uncover piece by piece it ended up being you know had i not been completing it under duress (laughs) would i feel different about it as a whole maybe um it it feels like this is something they intended people to play consistently over the course of a week rather Mm. than at the beginning and then forgetting about it and skipping the whole thing and feeling kind of whatever about it but even so it it you know, parts of it felt kind of. <sighs> so what I'm what I'm hearing is that I should start playing No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying is now is the best time now more than ever is the best time to get in No Man's Sky. 
So I can be a man and take that sky, and there will be some man sky. It'll be my man sky. Um, no. Speaking of space video games, I started to try and get into uh, Destiny 2, a game I know that you have played. Oh boy, yeah. Well, talk to me about this. So I have played through the original campaign of Destiny 2 a while back. And the reason that I'm, start- I'm trying to get back into this now is because I have a friend group who enjoys Destiny 2. And okay. we've got a couple friends who are trying to dive into it enjoy it find something that you enjoy about it so that we can play as a group you know we've we've done this before with uh heroes of the storm which was blizzard's uh moba game i decided to ditch that and i feel like once i stopped playing it the rest of the group stopped playing it so i feel like i unknowingly destroyed an activity for us yeah <laughs> um because the incentives of uh, heroes of the storm suck it, it's 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 a fun game but like MOBAs are just too emotionally taxing, and after a sure. while, your your uh, your fate is so dependent on things that you can't control in that at times mm. that it makes it tough to commit to an eighteen or twenty minute game where you know things aren't necessarily your fault. Um, right, and you have okay. to rely so yeah. much on the activity of so many other people. But anyways, I had played the original campaign of Destiny Two, and I was left with the same feeling as when I played through the Halo games when I was younger, which was mm-hmm. that had some cool moments. The story is incomprehensible that that it felt kind of cool sometimes to play through it. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, and I am playing a version of it now where and this is this is a, a Destiny 2 in which Bungie has detached itself from Activision, remember? Right. Uh and again, it's been it's been a couple of years since that last version of that campaign. And so I think they have changed things around so that players can onboard themselves quicker into the meat of the different activities right. that you can do in Destiny 2. So you're oh no, I don't even know if I can remember that. There's here's your PvP mode, there's your PvE mode. Um, and then there's also like a competitive PvE that's kind of interesting that they've done too, the gambits. Gambits, Crucibles, right. and Nightfalls, I think, are all the modes. But there, there's other things okay. in there. So I got to say that in terms of mechanically explaining what's going on for Destiny 2, it is indecipherable. Yeah. <laughs> it is It is a, a video game where you absolutely need a guide of somebody else just breaking down all the pieces of it because you're always just going between shoot man to make quest go more shoot man make number go up and layers of ui yeah right so i would say the my my big destiny 2 head friend has been like guiding us through this a little bit and i've been frustrated at not finding the fun in it yet i think i found a little bit of the fun in it but initially it just felt it was doing nothing for me i I just like spent two or three hours going through their version of this campaign and I'm just plowing through it. The shooting, I guess feels good, but like for me, I can't, that can't just be it. Like I have to, I have to make some more consequential decisions that make what I'm doing feel worthwhile than just clicking heads. But my, my friend Amy had mentioned that, yeah, Bungie's 
historically been pretty bad at onboarding for this game. And let me tell you, consistency is the key because, oh boy, do they not do any better of a job now yeah. than they did years before when Destiny 2 came out. Well. Um, it's, it's, but I'm, I'm still going to stick with it because I want to, I, I do genuinely want to find my fun in this thing so that I can maybe horse around with my friends a little bit and play some other right. modes and, you know, we're, we're, we're in a clan together so we'll see how long that lasts um i will say for for a lot of the campaign related stuff it is incredible how good the cinematics of that video game are they oh, are it's beautiful they are gorgeous and the setting yeah. is beautiful a lot of the design is cool it just so happens that the lore of that universe doesn't feel like it really clicks in ways that feel meaningful <laughs> like from the yeah. get-go right like it, it's it presents its story simply enough like you know it's a light versus dark like right. coded very very explicitly <laughs> sort yeah. of deal yeah. but it doesn't feel like it sets up its stakes in a way where you really need to care about them that much and you know what maybe an mmo doesn't have to do that i don't know maybe everyone just wants to shoot stuff and then some people do yeah. think the lore of that world is cool i just i don't it, it feels like it's differently shaped to them the way that my brain takes in stories and like appreciates narrative <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i think that's a fair assessment and like from from the time that i played destiny 2 and this seems like the um the broad consensus of both people who have bounced off destiny 2 and people who stick st still stick with destiny 2 is the lore is deep and very cool. Boy, I wish it, any of it were in the game. That so, And that's the same thing that people always said about Halo as well. Yeah. Like, and it was the, the whole thing where like, oh, well, the games are really cool if you read the books. It's like, sweet. But so what? <laughs> yeah. Should I have to? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool guns. So, cool gun noises i got a, i got a nice sidearm yeah. that makes a really satisfying pew noise and shoots nice. really fast so that's nice um good stuff i haven't played since they changed up the uh the onboarding they added what was it new light i think was the the name of the i think yes i think that the is new the expansion that is the version of the campaign i have i think i've already finished okay I'm confused. I, I think there are multiple separate campaigns as well. Yeah, I think um, so. That I'm still working my way through. Again, the yeah. structure of this thing is a damn mess. Like totally, they they, just, <laughs> totally. they, they introduced so much to you so quick, and I do, I don't think they tactfully explain how yeah the equipment stuff works, and they they, they yeah they they throw so much at you without explaining why it matters. That it's, mm -hmm. I, I feel like they're, do you as a developer, I think, I think developers do this to a degree. Do you do certain things and like put your resources in certain places as a developer to go, okay, their friends are going to explain this to them or they're going to go on a wiki or they're going to go on YouTube to figure out how this stuff works. Right. Right. So there is, there is a YouTuber out there, uh, who goes by, my name is Bife who is doing a lot of heavy lifting for the good people at Bungie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all I got to say about that. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it 
uh, as I keep playing it. I have been chipping away in little bits and pieces of it. Um, I found that shaders are much more accessible now because there is just like a pack that costs like a thousand glimmer or something like that. And it gives mm-hmm. you like two dozen shaders that you can just apply whole cloth oh, yeah. to to your equipment. And I don't, I think shaders work differently now. I feel like shaders used to expire and I don't think mm. they do that anymore. And I, and okay. they don't just stick to one piece of equipment or anything. Like you just, you just have them, which is, Oh, it's not a, it's not a, um, a, a, a consumable. Uh, yeah. At least okay. not the ones I have. I don't think so. Um, okay. It's just an option you have for everything that you own. Yes. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That's neat. Mm-hmm. It, I will. Yeah. I will come back to that as as necessary. Um, something else you wanna you wanna bounce to? Yeah. Speaking of returning to games, I I set up for myself a whole um, big summer backlog experience for myself. Um, in that I I lined up a bunch of games on Steam that I bounced off of at some point and uh, want to try to return to over the course of this summer. Uh, and I was doing that. And then of course this summer decided to be different from last summer in that new games are being released. Oh, sure. So we'll see whether or not, or to what degree that gets derailed. But, um, yeah, I have a, I have a tag in, in my steam library setup called the summer zone. <laughs> and, uh, contained within is games Sa- such as beaches, sunburn, uh, ice cream dripping down your arm birds yeah the 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 mechanics of of uh ice cream dripping down your arm have uh been updated recently and Mm -hmm. they're um, they feel it feels much nicer the the cream cold wet (laughs) cream uh no so like i've i've gone back to control finally um i just went back to um deus ex mankind divided that is a game that is a game that I stopped playing in 2018. And I have no idea what's going on in the I've, save that I've loaded. Is Mankind Divide the most recent DXS, Deus Ex? It is, yes. yes. I feel like 2018 is even late for when that game came out. It is. Oh, no, totally yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I picked it up for probably like five bucks on, yeah. in a sale. I was, I, because I really liked Human Revolution, the previous Deus Ex game. Um, in like 2012, 2013, probably, um, and wanted to play this, but then yeah, bounced off of it for whatever reason. And with, with all of these games, okay, I'll run, I'll run down the rest of my list. Um, so control Deus Ex, um, Dishonored 2, um, I gotta, uh, get back to Halo. I have the Master Chief collection on Steam. Um, Near Automata is one that I stopped playing. Uh, Prey, I stopped playing. Um, Pyre, I want to finish. Um, and then some other, some other bits and pieces. So like I have risk of rain Two, which I'm playing with you. Um, and then no man's sky, which is just, I mean, it's just kind of a forever game. Um, and then tear down, which I don't remember if we've talked about. Um, it's that I, yeah, I, I, I can't voxel. remember if we've talked about it on the podcast or not, but yeah, it's the, the like yeah, pseudo heist voxel sort of game. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a good description of it. Destructible like environments, um, it's very cool. I, I played it. I picked it up last summer and then um, stopped playing sometime in the fall or winter. So uh, there, there were some updates. It's still in early access, I think. So there were some updates to it in the meantime. And I wanted to check out uh, what's going on with that. So 
that's my list. Um, and and for Control, Deus Ex, Dishonored, Halo, Near, and uh, Prey, those are all like, I mean, with the exception of Halo, maybe like big stories that you kind of have to like pay attention to. And so it, it's a question for me, which eth- with each of these, whether I continue what I already had going on and just try to remember, or do I just start over whole cloth? Sure. And, and I do. Rem- the one thing I want to remark upon, and I have not played near either, but I do remember the thing everyone's saying was that like, there is a, a glut of stuff you have to kind of grind your way through in order to break through and see what yeah. the game's actually doing. And that, yeah. that sounds, I mean, depending on the gameplay, it, it, it could be okay, but I hear that that's a, a tough glut to get through. Yeah. It could be okay. I'll, I mean, I guess I will see if and when I get to it, but like the, um, the recent conversations over the latest near, um, to be released, which I guess was a re-release, um, like waypoint was talking about that. And then I started thinking about it again and I was like, well, shit, I think I gotta play automata. Not that I necessarily want to play the latest near. I just started thinking about it again and mm-hmm. it's it's a game that I put down and it's in my Steam library and I paid money for it and I didn't put it down because I don't like it. So, what that's would, my list. What's interesting to what would be interesting to me is to hear the ones that like didn't make the cut cuz I've done this a couple times too where like I've gone through my Steam library and I'm just like it's been too much time and I don't yeah. like I'm sure like this was a pivotal thing. 10 12 years ago and i don't right. need to experience it i'm okay moving on from that and not tormenting myself over like playing i don't know gears three or something you know yeah right and it, it's this is like the uh the crucial point between those two things for these games on this list like between Hey, I really should and want to play these, and it's too long. I'm okay, actually. Mm-hmm. I think Near is has a little more uh, leeway than the rest of these, but um, yeah. Also, a uh, good chunk of these are immersive sims, which mm. uh, is a genre that I enjoy very much and historically have loved. Like I, I've loved every other Deus Ex game. Um. Yeah, Prey and Dishonored and kind are of, both in that in that wheelhouse. Right. Yeah. Um, and that that genre has kind of kind of started to disappear or like have a waning period. Um and so maybe it's you know, would feel nice to to experience those stories if you know, even if I'm not able to contribute uh in a timely way to the continued existence of of those games. Maybe if I'd been around when uh Prey was first released and had contributed to their uh, uh, release sales. Maybe this would have had some kind of effect on the games that I enjoy playing. But I, um, I do remember playing a couple of hours of the first Prey, and that I remember that game's opening sequence being pretty good. So I would love to hear your, your reaction to it. I did not stick with it. Um, it was I was just playing it on like Becca's PS4 or something and just kind of oh, didn't, yeah. didn't... I think I hit a bit of a progression wall that was tough to to get past um yeah immersive sims are interesting because i feel like i hadn't heard the term much until the last couple of years like when dishonored yeah. and prey and you know deus ex right. kind of 
blew up and everyone was like, oh yeah, like this genre. I'm like, I don't, is this a real? Because it wasn't in my right. like nomenclature of game genre. Yeah. Um, and it's also like, the, uh, the defining of them is feels fuzzy to me. If, if there are uh, emails in the game, it's an immersive sim. So Tacoma is an immersive sim. Uh, probably. I should, okay. uh, I should play Tacoma. Shit. Oh, you should play Tacoma. The list is going to expand. <laughs> As the air does in the summer, summer heat, the list expands. <laughs> the list must expand. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm going through right now. I have dipped back into... I restarted Control. Hmm. Uh, and I'm playing through that as like a um, couch game with Lauren. Like this is our oh, nice. you know, season of TV. Um, that's been a really good time. Um, I picked up Deus Ex where I left off. I left off uh, at a point where like I loaded my save and I was like, let's see what's going on in the world of Deus Ex. And I had a voice in my ear saying, all right, looks like you fucked up. They're coming through the door. Get ready to fire. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, So I was just in the middle of a firefight. And so that threw me for a loop. And like, at first I was like, oh, I am not getting through this. Maybe this is why I quit because this is a wall for me and uninstalled the game. And then a few days ago, I reinstalled the game a third time and decided, no, I'm going to get through this and then see how I feel. And I managed to get through it. And um, it feels good to be in an immersive sim world. I like those worlds and how they feel. Uh, even if, you know, I don't know, like that Deus Ex has any like interesting overarching message to deliver in 2021 or if the message that it's delivering was timely or appropriate at the time it came out, I think this is the game that, uh, whose marketing, yeah, this is, this is the game whose, um, whose marketing included, so, so Deus Ex is a story about people who are augmented with, uh, uh, robotics, um, and in Mankind Divided, you know, after the events of Human Revolution, um, augmented people or augs and, um, humans who are not augmented are kind of separated in society and like augmented people are put into ghettos like literally in the text of the game Mm. uh and a piece of marketing and i'm not sure if this appears in the game or not now you know what i'm talking about is someone holding a sign someone holding a sign that says augs lives matter yeah yeah yeah. yep Mm -hmm. which is some real horse shit and like this was made by a bunch of white French people and you're just co-opting that for like the marketing of your game. It's such saying, an easy this choice is what, to not make. This is the same thing. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's so easy not to do that. Like you, if yeah, you bring it up to two or three other people and they just be like, I don't, I don't know, Pierre. That's what all French. Yeah, names. exactly. Right. Yeah. No. Um, so like what I'm, what I'm saying is I don't know that this game deserves a revisit uh but i am aware of its failings and i uh, like these worlds and so i'd like to explore it again awesome it that makes me actually want to revisit like there's i've got a handful of things on my desktop that i wanted to get through and i can read them off right now actually they are uh mutazione 
which I actually spent mm. a lot of time with and didn't fully finish, even though it's not that long and Becca adores it. Um, I need to finish that. I, I need to, I, which actually I might just restart it because a piece of that game is the kind of gossiping between the NPCs in the small town that you're in. And mm-hmm. like, it's the characterization and the juiciness of those details are just so good. They're really good. Um, cool. So I want to dip into that. Um, Umarangi Generation, which I know got ruined for you as a sore spot. Right. But I want yes. to, I don't know what that entails. So I want to go through with that game. Yeah. I, um, I've been thinking about I, it again. I think I'm almost ready to, to experience uh, that. Oh, okay. Oh, that'd be nice. We can maybe do that together. That'd yeah, be cool. Yeah. Or like at the, cool. within the same time frame, maybe. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Anodyne 2 Return to Dust, which um, I was having an okay time with. That that game aesthetically is good. I mean, it's it's got the whole PS1 uh, feel to it. and Yeah, it's very cool looking. Uh, the same kind of like fuzzy dream like quality that the first anodyne had um so yeah um that's i think that thing is worth my time and also again probably doesn't take that much time to to get through um also hades is still on my desktop which i'm not sure Mm. i don't know how much more there is to go through not that i spent an incredible amount of time with hades but like i've cleared the game a handful of times and I have a feeling that there's still more to unlock, but I'm not sure. I'm I'm not I'm not aware of what else there is to to keep me going with that. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I'm sure I could probably come up with like five other Steam games, or even I mean I haven't checked my the Epic Store in a while as well. I know I have things that right. I downloaded from that were free that I could probably cobble together a list of. Um, yeah, I should probably do that. That'd be nice. Yeah. Those are all on my to do list apart from Hades. I I haven't played the first Anodyne even. First, first Anodyne's neat. If you like Link's Awakening, I think it's a cool one mm. to take to like check out. Um, okay, yeah, I, I believe I have it on Switch. Oh, nice. So there's no excuse. No, for that I can just pop into that. Yeah, I don't think that one takes um, that long to finish either. That's a pretty tidy, cool, okay. tidy game. Maybe maybe once I, I'll dip into some of these summer games and like once I make it out the other end of Final Fantasy VII, oh, sure. I'll like gobble up some of these smaller games and then move into something else big. Have you heard about this thing? The, uh, the panic play date, panic play date. I know the play date, you know, the play date. I know the play date. Okay. It's It's made. Oh, it's made by panic. It's made by a company called panic. Yes. I, yeah, I do remember there being a hubbub. Um, when they had an announcement this Mm -hmm. week, they, they had a big, like, um, it was like a, a 15 minute, you know, announcement video for, the price and the date, it got a time frame. It's going up for pre-order next month. Um, but interestingly, they talked a lot about the games that will be on it. Not, I mean, not a lot, but we got a glimpse of the games that will be on it and what form, like what that delivery system looks like. So basically, you you buy the thing, and included in the price is what they're calling the first season of games. And also to be clear, the Playdate Two. The reason that like it's a it's a story is that it's a new piece of gaming hardware that Panic. Oh is yeah, making. I sh- it's, we it's should be clear. Of, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's similar to a Game Boy, but it also has like a almost like a fishing reel type control. Yeah, there's on a the little side crank on the side. A crank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is used in like interacting with these different games. That's kind of the standout feature that 
makes different kinds of games possible on it. Um, it's a cute, tiny little thing. It's got, um, it's bright yellow. It's got a cool little like, um, black and white LCD display. Um, yeah, it, it looks very cool. And, and they, they talked about, um, some of the games that are coming out for it. Um, Zach Gage is working on a game for it, which has me excited. Um, so basically you, you buy this thing and included in the price is what they are calling season one of the, the games that are coming for it. So every week they're doing it like a, a weekly release schedule. There will be 24 games in the first season over the course of 12 weeks. So every week, two new games will be downloaded onto mm. your system and they are yours to keep forever. They don't expire or go away. Um, and that that's basically what we found out. And so it, there's a lot that we don't know. And there's one other interesting thing that I want to talk about, but, um, like what I'm inferring from this is that there will presumably be further seasons of games that, that you can pay for, whether or not there will be a subscription service is unclear, but it seems likely, um, questions remain about whether or not you can buy single games piecemeal, mm. but I, I get the sense that this is still them figuring it out. And even they don't know that about their back end and their service. Um, but it's a cool new thing that <laughs> will exist in the world, like a different thing to play games on in a unique way that are uniquely for that piece of hardware. Um, and that's exciting. It, it is very rare that we get new piece of gaming hardware because it's such a it's such a venture, right? Like these the, the, yeah. the currently existing companies have such established infrastructures to make these things that the yeah. idea of like a little independent, you know, company making hardware uh new and unique hardware at that too like the the crank essentially is a new type of peripheral you know right or a, right. a new I mean, method it, of engaging yeah it makes sense for them to set their sights on something that niche and like and to keep everything else trail. so simple right exactly like to the games that you can play on it can only be played on it. I think that's very smart. You know, you don't want to go the route of Ouya. Remember Ouya? Yeah, the last time we had a gaming podcast, we were talking all about Ouya. Jeez, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I. It, it makes sense for it to be such a unique thing. Also, I um, do appreciate the idea of releasing these games episodically throughout the course of a season. Something about that, like, feels... Yeah just unique enough for me to it's a little hokey but i i i, yeah. I, I kind of buy into it right yeah um there's something about not having not being able to just be inundated with 24 games all at once right yeah i would i would rather not that um and it sounds like they'll all be you know really small quick little games that you can play within the week that they're released and then okay it's time for something new which is welcome. <laughs> yes. Um, the other big piece that they um, revealed that I want to talk about was that they have also built a tool. Um, I don't remember what uh, they called it. It's a tool um, that uh, allows people to make their own games oh, for fantastic. the Playdate. Um, and it's entirely web-based. You open it up in a browser and it will let you download the games you make onto the play date. No word on like whether you can share your games with other people or whether there will be some kind of marketplace. 
I, I can see all of those things taking shape. Like if this becomes an interesting thing that, that people take to, those are all interesting opportunities uh, that exist. Um, and so I'm like maybe even more so than all of the big names with and, and little names that are cool with like cool, interesting games and like the form factor and the way these games will be released. I'm really excited to see how the uh, uh, how the scene of people making their own games takes shape. You said they revealed the price of it. Yes. Do you remember that off the top of your head? It is, I believe, one hundred and seventy nine dollars. That's not bad. It's not think, bad. I don't think that's bad considering it's um, modern. I, I would expect it to be modern, well-crafted hardware. And I, I can't yeah. imagine that it's going to be doing anything re- remarkably complex computationally. You know, the, I, right. the games that we have seen do seem very simple. Right. From what I recall from what they were showing, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... With that price point, what that's telling me is that what is there is probably some pretty solid stuff materially. So that's yeah, cool. they 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 mentioned. Um, I don't know that they've talked about this before. That they mentioned that they um, worked with um, Teenage Engineering oh, on the hardware, cool. who make um, a bunch of different uh, uh, like little synths, pocket pocket right? operator things. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I've yeah, got yeah. one myself. Yeah, and they're like really beautiful and well made and and high-end um stuff so i i expect this to be to be a a very nice little well-made object as well that's cool yeah best of luck to him hopefully uh hopefully that takes off all right and doesn't uh i don't know i don't i don't want it to be just constrained to being like this niche uh like for lack of a better term like like hipster gamer object right where they can only really yeah. produce so many that right it's it's only or it, and also too I also hope that those things, they have things in place to make sure that they don't get scalped because <laughs> that thing yes. would, that would break my fucking heart. I know. I know. I actually, I think they specifically called that out in, in their announcement video that rules said that they'll be leaving pre-orders open and that they won't sell out and they will just like be shipped out as they are manufactured. So I guess we'll see how that goes. I don't know that that 100% protects against hmm. scalping and the creation of a gray market, but I guess don't it, tell, yeah, I, I guess, guess it depends on the demand, right? Cuz like if the prayers are yeah. always just open, that means you can just throw your hat in the queue for one. Yeah. And so, so maybe there yeah. maybe there isn't as much incentive then for scalpers to try to gobble everything i think that's the idea and hopefully they're they don't run into any kind of like material constraints too because i know that there's right is there's still that shortage on like yeah electronic components that's like affecting a lot of big companies yeah it's still hard to make things right yeah um but yeah i i I hope it does well and i hope it it comes out and doesn't end up being like also so insular to the games world that just people who make games or are adjacent to people who make games get it. And then it just sort of collapses under yeah. lack of lack of adoption. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I know what you're yeah, talking about. It could just be cool. Like, we're just like a, a game nerds or game dev thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. So big, uh, big E3 pre E3 news breaking here on loud friends. 
two to three days after it broke. Actually, this isn't going up until next week, so this news is very late. I'm sorry. I didn't know that the Playdate stuff was a part of like E3 week. Are we in E3 week? Is this E3 week? It's not. I'm just, I'm just, this is E3 week. Yeah. End of, end of this week. I mean, you can say the end of this week is when E3 proper begins, but they, Waypoint already had that Warhammer stream with all those game reveals. And now, you know, here's Playdate. I think E3 started this week already. I feel like it, I, and I don't think this is my fault. I feel like we've gotten hit out of nowhere within E3. (laughs) I do not think that we had a good idea of when these things were happening like a week a and a half bit. ago. Yeah, yeah. It may, I think certain like developers dates are still up in the air. Maybe I'm not 100% on when Nintendo is and when and if Sony is doing anything. I'm clown, not sure. Clown show. Clown show. I'm yeah. calling it. Clown show. It. It sounds like there's a whole lot going on with that app that they they developed or that that E3 is has it leaked a bunch of press for, members like not yet yet okay <laughs> not yet um, although apparently uh, when you're putting in your personal information it is unclear what will be public facing and so people did accidentally put private information that showed up on their public profile and people had to tell them hey some stuff is showing you should delete that. So already, I got nothing to say about that. A great start. All right. Well, I guess uh, I imagine next pod's probably going to be talking about a lot of the E3 stuff then. But uh, you know, likely we'll, we'll see yeah. what uh, what we're fancying. Electronic. Three. Oh. <laughs> it's just it just stands for electronic three. They just like the number. I'm so glad that they've come out with a third kind of electricity. I've been on two so long. It's just. Yeah. All right. Well, when the jokes have gotten to this point, that's uh, hey. a time to wrap it up. Um, Mike, anything you want to plug or anything along those lines? Um, I don't. I've been so busy. I don't really have anything going on. But if you would like to preemptively follow me in places with the expectation that one day I'll make something again. Uh, I make videos on YouTube, youtube.com slash EganWorks, and uh, youtube.com slash VlogandEgan. I have a Patreon if you like what I do, and I make this podcast. That's great. And if, uh, if you want to see what I'm up to, if you leave just a little bit of your dinner out between the hours of like 11 a.m. and 3 a.m., I'll drop by, I'll gobble that up, and then I'll write you a little list of what I've been doing. And so we can, you know, we can have a nice bit of communication that way. So, yeah. Should they leave the the scrap of paper or will you provide that? Oh, no, I have my own. You. OK. That, yeah, I bring that very along. professional. I, yeah. Come on. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, also, if you if you want to follow me on, on on Twitter, I'm at EganWorks. That's where that's the social media place where I tell people what I'm doing. So that would be helpful as well. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loud Friends. Uh, as always, we, we appreciate our, our fiercely loyal and small fan base. I don't know who you are, but I love you. And I'm sorry. <laughs>